Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. All right, you guys ready? I'm gonna like tell a story today. I'm gonna share vision today. Um, and we're just gonna, and then I'm gonna like, I don't know, I'm gonna try to minister through it, but we'll see what happens. But I want you um, yeah, you could try to take notes, but best of luck to you. Uh, you can get the recording. Um, but I do want you to write down, because I think it's important. I want you to put the date. Today is April 2nd, if you don't know. Um, you woke up today on April 2nd. This is Sunday, if you're wondering. Uh, some of our young adults need to be reminded of the days. Um, but I want you to write the Bethany call. The Bethany call. Oh, I already need the things. Is the pad okay? It's not too loud, right? Okay, I just need it today. I need, need it. Helps the vibe, you know. That's a s- stupid word, it, you know. You know what I'm saying. All right. Back in October, I, um, I brought a word about... Uh, you guys remember when we talked about Numbers chapter 32 and the tribe of Reuben doesn't want to cross over the Jordan. And now the context is, is at this point um, in the journey of the children of Israel, there's a new generation on the scene. And uh, Moses is about to give his, his speech to this new generation that never knew Egypt, right? They, we talked about it. Like, you, th- you have to think to yourself, like my kids, like imagine your toddlers, the first memory they have is oceans splitting open and their shoes growing on their feet. And they had clothes that started when they were a toddler and it was the same clothes when they were 40 and they never wore out. You ever thought about that? My son would have a giant Spider-Man shirt still on today. Um, and slides that just keep growing. But these, these children or this generation never knew lack. They never knew Egypt. They didn't have bondage in their mind. They only knew freedom, right? And so now they're in this promised land. They've been told their whole life they're born for the other side of the river, but they've got these complaining parents. And I'm not trying to get generations against themselves. I'm just, this is what happened in the Bible, if you're wondering. Um, And you cannot be that. So, um, but they get to the Jordan now and everybody's ready to move on. Everybody is ready to cross over. And it says that the banks of the Jordan were overflowing. So this wasn't just a small little, uh, you know, small little stream of water. This was an overflowing river. And if you've ever been to Israel and seen the Jordan, there is parts of the Jordan that as it's flowing, isn't just like you can bring kids and livestock and your whole lives just across the Jordan. And so the Lord comes to them and says, it's time to cross over, but everything's overflowing. Everything looks like why this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But this new generation that saw the Red Sea split open are thinking, what is the Jordan? Right, but you've got this tribe of Reuben that found 
livestock on the wrong side of promise. And because they had livestock, they said, well, we have livestock and this land is good for livestock. So they come to Moses and they're like, let's stay on this side because this is easier, right? And Moses rebukes them, says, you will discourage all of, the, all of your brothers and all of your sisters who are coming with us. And they got domesticated in comfort and in success and it wasn't Egypt, it was better. There was, there was actually some produce within the land that they could live off of, but absolutely short of the fullness of promise that God had told them. And when you look around the church today, you know, Bill Johnson makes this statement, um, we should be concerned when revival and reformation and moves of God aren't happening and we're just okay with it right? Like we're just good showing up to church and getting our fill and leaving and it's enough. If anybody has, and I, I know I say it all the time, but I think if anybody has any ounce of discernment whatsoever, um, you're, you're seeing God begin to move in a way where people are tasting something and they're unwilling to go back to systems. They're unwilling to go back to the way things were. I mean, I've, I don't remember a time when more like Jesus movies have been out. I don't know if anybody heard about the movie Come Out in Jesus' Name, where devils started coming out of people in movie theaters. And the whole movie was about these leaders that talked about people being free. And then a pastor comes on the screen, major movie theaters at the end, and starts denouncing things like depression and suicidal thoughts. And in theaters all over America, people are screaming, manifesting, getting free from devils. Jeremiah Johnson told me he went to one and he said, at the end of the, the, the theaters full of people, at the end, it would turn into a service. And he's jumping over seats, casting devils out of people. At one point today, I will do my uh, Jeremiah Johnson impression for you. Uh, I've been practicing it every day. Uh, anyway. So, no, not yet. It's not the time yet. Um, I have to do it when I'm about to cry, so it's comic relief, you know, for myself. But this, this generation that was born for the other side of the river doesn't understand how to settle. It's not in their thinking. It's not in their understanding. I can, I can truly say for a long time, I, I thought my testimony wasn't that cool because I like, grew up in church and was born in Zion. I never knew anything else. And you see what a father and a mother can produce in an environment of, like we talked about high places of devotion that, that Samuel built that was conducive for the raising of kings like David in 1 Samuel 19. And our calling is to create environments where our kids impact history, not because they're doing the logical thing that makes sense, but our kids are impacting history because they were born for the other side of the river and faith is the only thing they know because we never gave them an example of what it's like to live without it. So in October, before the Lord started speaking to me about different things that I'm gonna share with you, it's amazing how God prepares us. It's when I look back, I think, sometimes I think, all right, Lord, like it's Saturday. I'm like, babe, you gotta pray. I got nothing for tomorrow. Um, Friday rolls around, I got nothing. I start getting a little anxious. I gotta get over that. I gotta overcome that, but I'll, but every time she's like, don't worry, the Lord will give you something in it. Like Saturday night at 10.30 p.m. The Lord's like, numbers 32. And I'm like, oh, you couldn't have said it Tuesday, you know? But I think he enjoys 
watching us squirm because it actually requires God, believe it or not. Like, not my great preaching. And I don't think anybody is in this room for my good articulation. I, uh, I, I really believe we're here because God is here. Amen. But it's amazing how he leads us and you don't realize it in the moment. So right after Numbers 32, you, Moses gives commands to the next generation and you get to Joshua 1, 3. And we, we got into that really October, November, 2022. Um, you remember when Joshua comes to the children of Israel and, he, and over and over again, because God is saying the, to, this to him, be strong and very courageous. It's, it's time. The time has come. It's time to actually cross over, but you can't just stand here and expect God to do it for you. You have to be strong and very courageous. I like that it didn't just say courageous, but you're gonna need very courageousness. And so he gets to this point where it says in Joshua 1, 3, wherever your foot steps, I will give you as an inheritance. I believe it was my brother, Pastor Kossi, that had a word that God is taking us from as we encountered this outpouring of the Lord in June. And it's like he carried us and we were riding on the wind of the Lord. It got to the point where it's like, you gotta become the wind and you gotta actually take what God's doing and bring it into your life. And wherever your footsteps, God says, I will give you that place. So now January 1st, again, just listen back. I'm, I'm just giving you a timeline of things that we've gone through and reviewing really quick. But I preached this message on New Year's Day. Uh, I believe we called it the, the branches or the branch, something along those lines. But I shared with you the last word that Resonation received from my grandmother before she passed away. Um, she called my dad, which is usually how it went. She would tell him something in Arabic and then he would scribble it on a sticky note because my dad still has sticky notes everywhere. And, uh, and when you read them, you just cry because it's usually at four in the morning while he's cold and he's saying something the Lord said to him. But he would write on a sticky note and on this sticky note, it said, tell William Ezekiel 47 over resignation. And Ezekiel 47, we know it well, is there's this stream that begins from the sanctuary and it comes under the door and and as it, it's building and it's building, it turns into this river. And it says, wherever this river goes, it brings healing to the nations. And trees of all kinds line up along the river and they never cease to bear fruit. That literally it's, it's like they conquered seasons and just every season became fruitful. That every, every way of life, every time of life just became God's throne daily. And wherever this river goes, it brings healing, but it says wherever it stops, it turns into swamps. And we talked about that, that the healing properties of the river are in the going, are in the movement, are in the constant. We're not just staying in one spot, but God is actually building as we go. This is why his great commission was go and make disciples of all nations, not stay and have a good live stream. And I think in many ways, the live stream has created, I, I'm, I love live stream. All of our people all over the world are like, don't knock it. This is how we see. I love what God is doing through live stream, but I think in many ways it's created laziness within the church and removed things like community. You know, the disciples said, him who we have seen, heard and handled with our hands. 
It's him we witness of. There's something about not forsaking the gathering of yourselves together, having to wake up, brush your teeth. Maybe if you're like me, throw a little hairspray on, put your clothes on and get your butt to church around some people rather than just rolling out of bed and washing dishes while the preachers preach it, right? You cannot build something and call it a movement and not move, right? So Matthew 13, this whole idea of we're branching, Matthew 13, 31 through 32, you can just write these down. You don't need to turn there. And I'm definitely gonna be shorter than normal today because we're gonna do something special at the end. And also too, please do everything you can to be here on Good Friday and bring your children in this room. I know we don't have children's church, but um, we are gonna make it a shorter service, kind of like Christmas Eve, but we're just gonna go after God's presence, okay? So uh, be here this Friday. But Matthew 13, 31 through 32 says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and he sowed it in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it grows, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can make, its, make their nests in its branches. And so the kingdom, we've, you guys have learned this one million times, but the kingdom is not coming down from some galaxy I love the saying, the kingdom is not like the 82nd Airborne Division, like we've learned in the West, that this magical day when everything is just, the conditions are just right, and the worst president ever is in you, the White House, and, and the movies we've watched come true, the sky is going to split open, and, and I believe in the coming of the Lord. Don't, don't put words in my mouth, but we have this idea that the kingdom is like, going to be like the Transformers movie, where it starts slowly coming out of the sky, but the kingdom, according to Luke 17, is where? It's in you. The kingdom doesn't come by observation. The kingdom is, say it with me, is... Okay, thank you, Pastor Gerardo. The kingdom is... Do I need to stand so you guys respond? The kingdom is in you. And it's all around you. This is eternal life that we may know God. Right? And so... The kingdom is not coming down. The kingdom is a seed inside of people that need to be crucified. They need to come to life. They need to be seeded so that they can spread, right? But we lock up what God wants to do because we are unwilling to spread. We are unwilling to branch. And the kingdom will be like a seed called God's people that'll branch into all the earth, into every corner of the earth, and birds will come and rest on the branches of God's people. This is why John 15 says, he is the vine, we are the branches. It's fascinating to me in Acts chapter two that the Holy Spirit comes and they hear a sound like the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but it was a sound that they had never heard. It was a sound that caused 17 nations, when you count it, to gather together. If you actually study the text exactly, it wasn't they were speaking in different languages and that's what caused it. It's that they heard a sound and they came to that sound. And when they came to that sound, they heard languages in their own language right? Tongues of fire came down. I heard somebody say like this, the genius of the New Testament church was that they didn't stay in the room. 
You ever thought about that? Let me tell you what I'm like. If he came in this room and we heard a sound like a train and wind came in and we all just started speaking in foreign languages and saw tongues of fire descending upon our heads, I would tell everybody, don't move. I would tell the band to play the exact thing that they played and don't mess it up. Don't try to be spontaneous. Just do that again, cause it worked, right? That's, that's how I am that I'm growing in, right? Of like, we want to package it. We wanna go, here's how it happens. Let's do it like Asbury or Brownsville or the Toronto outpouring. And let's just mimic, let's move like them, sing like them, talk like them. And we've got a bunch of echoes and no voices because we just wanna do what worked in the past, but God's doing a new thing. I don't wanna go back to Acts. We should be doing greater things than the book of Acts. They had him for three years and they just walked around in shadows, healed people. We've had 2,000 and we got nothing in the shadow, right? So, so there, could be, there could be something wrong maybe with our formula, right? But the, gene, the, the brilliance of the early church that they understood being around the great apostle, that when he comes, the encounter is not for ourselves, that when he comes this way, the point is not to just stay here and build my mountain, but the point is to become the wind to the whole earth. Immediately, Peter stands up and he says, this is the promise. I love that Peter had the boldness to say, this is that that Joel prophesied. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There was only 120 people in a room and he's claiming all flesh because he knew how to honor appropriately in that moment it was the beginning of all flesh. He knew how to honor appropriately, apostolically in that moment that God has a way of doing things and it's called first. God has a way of doing things where he made the first and told it reproduce after your own kind. These men and women that had followed Jesus learned something about him that he ascended. And I've always wondered like those 40 days where they're talking, where he's talking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God and they don't tell us about the conversations. Always like, what was that like talking to the resurrected Christ for 40 days about his kingdom? And you imagine they must have asked him, why won't you just stay? Like you're in resurrected form just walk through walls in people's homes and then leave and they'll get saved. Like just show up physically in the natural at every club in America and they'll get saved. Just walk through the wall with, with 10,000 angels and everybody will get saved. But the fascinating that blows my mind is that the gospel of the kingdom is I have to go. The gospel of the kingdom is he stands up and, and he reads Isaiah 61 in the synagogue and he, and he says these things like, the Lord has anointed me. I've come to, to help the poor, to help those who are sick, brokenhearted. And he ascends and if you're not paying attention, it looks like he failed. People were still poor, people were still in prison, people were still brokenhearted but the gospel is I'm gonna do it through you. 
I mean, he could have stayed and set up camp. Are you with me? Like, we've talked about this. He could have, he could have built the biggest Jesus Christ international ministries of all time. And think about it. He left the ministry with us and we've turned it into our own thing and our own organizations. And we've used the anointing and we've used the callings that come without repentance. You can fulfill the calling of God on your life without repentance. I mean, you can, you can walk in power. We learned it. And you have no gnosko, true experiential knowing with God. And so it's fascinating in Acts 2, they knew that it was up to us now. Now I know, I, can, I immediately hear it. I know that without him, we have nothing. I know that without him, we can do nothing. But remember, you are the branch and he is the vine. Remember, for whatever reason, you weren't a part of the meeting when God drew up the storyline of I'm gonna tell them they're gonna be just like me in the earth. And what I could do alone, imagine if there was a million and a billion like me. So I wanna kind of tell you a story. It's gonna to lead to an announcement and then we'll finish with the word again. Back May 24th, I was, uh, we had just moved in. We're coming up on the 17th will be one year since we got into this building, which is inc insane. It feels like we've been here forever, um, but we've experienced so much in such a short time. Uh, but it was right after we came in and, uh, you know, I've, I've shared this before. When we left the lifestyle building and found our own building on the way to that first service, how many of you remember that King's University first two gatherings? Fun times, man. Um, but on the way to that service, I remember telling my wife, listen, if 50 people come, we've grown so much. Like we have, we have weathered some storms and the Lord has carried us through. And no matter what, God is gonna do an amazing thing. And I walk in and the place is full and I immediately hear God say, they're not here for you, they're here for me. Yes, sir. And we saw the Lord begin to move in a way like we'd only dreamed of. And then April, we had our Easter service here. My dad came, brought what my dad always brings and blew the roof off the place. and. Kaylee started singing, he loved me first. And we're all crying and like, we experienced the fulfillment of promise. This dream we've always had of having a place where we can daily tend to the Lord that we would dream about in Cafe Mila years and years and years ago. So now we get a month later, May 24th. And, uh, and I, we come to this, we come here to service. And you know, my, my dad, is preaching that Sunday. And we always have the best turnouts when Cito's here because he's a 1 million times better preacher than I am. So he shows up, the place is packed. Everything that you would deem to be successful was present in that service. I mean, I remember we, we had, I think the overflow is full. Uh, our income was n way better than it is now. Like just everything, we were like hitting the heights of everything. And for some reason, I'm pulling out of the parking lot, just fighting discouragement. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you not content? This is what, you know, you've always seen. And, and this, is, this is fulfillment of my, my, my parents and 
Pastor Costi in stepping aside to make room for resignation, like look at what God has done. I should be jumping for joy, but for some reason I was just kind of, I don't know. I went to my dad and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know if you remember this conversation, sitting in my backyard and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need you, am I like not thankful? And I remember he said, uh, go, go somewhere, you need to go somewhere alone for a few days and spend time with the Lord. So uh, I, I got permission from my beautiful wife, Emily. I said, listen, you're gonna have to be here with three kids, but I'll buy you and them all toys, but I gotta, but I gotta go to the beach in Florida because that's where I hear God, you know, just his voice is like the sound of many waters. So, so I sat on the beach and I tanned because I'm white and, and I heard the Lord. And actually before I even left, May 24th, our staff had gotten together and was just praying for whatever this thing was that I needed to wrestle through with God, that God would speak to me. So I get a text from Pastor Gerardo and he said, hey, I want you to know we're praying for you as a staff right now and God broke out. I'm driving um, to do something before I go to the airport at the same time they're praying for me. Right after I get that text, the Lord speaks to me clearly and I've shared this with you. He said, you've given me a Bethany and I want you to remember that Bethany, this house is Bethany. I've given you a Bethany, but I'm still weeping over Jerusalem. And it, and it shook, it like shook me when I heard that. And I didn't really understand what it meant, but I remembered, you know, I believe it's Matthew 23, correct me if I'm wrong. Matthew 23, Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives and he's looking at Jerusalem and he's saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like a mother hen desires to gather her chicks, but you were unwilling. And so at the time I'm thinking like, we, okay, we gotta do more habitation events, right? We gotta, we gotta do more gatherings. We gotta, we gotta get out more. We've gotta take what God is doing here and, and bring it to the nations. And then I get home and June 12th, the Lord breaks out in Bethany. So I'm all kinds of confused. I'm like, Lord, you're speaking to me about Jerusalem, but you're moving like you've never moved at Bethany. And, and I start canceling things because I'm like, I gotta be in the room at six in the morning every single day. Like there is something wild happening where the sovereign Lord is showing up in prayer rooms with pads on, with leaders that are half asleep and we're experiencing measures of God's presence we've never experienced in our lives, right? So I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I, maybe not that I didn't hear right, but maybe we need to slow down on these habitation events because clearly God's doing something here. And we saw people move from different nations and different states and people came flooding into this room from all over curious of what God was doing. And, uh, and so, and I want to encourage you, revival or whatever, I, I wouldn't call it revival, but that outpouring that took place in June, it didn't end, it actually reformed us completely. And this is the point. I, I think that any revival that doesn't lead to the reformation of a lifestyle called the kingdom of God in every sphere of life, we fail to steward revival correctly. If it ends when the services and the lights turn off, we did not steward it correctly. 
And so what we watched is we watched the Lord turn this house into a house of prayer. We watched the Lord speak to us clearly. This was not just about having gatherings. This was about lighting a spark in you to make a decision that I don't think we've ever would have made as a leadership, which is like, hey, hey team, you down to do a 6 a.m. every single day and in the future at night and actually have a place where we can say we live like the sons of Zadok, tending to the Lord at his table every day. Actually do it according to Acts chapter two, where they attended the temple daily to minister to God and then went house to house with the apostles' doctrine. And so we watched the Lord reform us and it was like the glory, most glorious season ever we've experienced as a church. Then trial hit and from October to pretty much the end of the year, went through a very trying time as a community, yet the Lord started speaking to us about the next season. How many of you know God's word has to be tried in your life. And I've learned he doesn't give us the totality ever of his will, but he'll give us like the beautiful glimpse of the end and then not tell you anything on how to get there. He says things like, go to Canaan. I'm gonna give, you're gonna have more, you're gonna have more blessing and more children than the stars of the sky. And then he says, go, go, just go. Okay, and then he's got one child and God says, that's it. And then he dies. Now I know he had more children, but one promise. And it was enough for Abraham to go, if it's all about my kids, that's the point. He, he recognized that he was apostolically the beginning of something that would turn to more than all the stars in the sky. And so we, we went through this time where it was like the Lord gave us this, okay, we've given you a Bethany. You're longing for Jerusalem, but what does that look like? And he didn't tell us anything, but Bethany came under trial and it was a beautiful season. So hard season, but beautiful season. So then in November, I, I and again, I started in the beginning with at that time, this is before November, we're talking about this crossing over. We're talking about a new generation on the scene saying we're born for the other side of the river and we are unwilling to settle in complacency and being domesticated by comfort and the American dream. And we're declaring war on the American dream to say, God, we want all that you have for our generation. We want our kids to say this one was born in Zion and this one was born there. We want them to walk into power until raising the dead is no longer just the pinnacle of Christianity, but truly elementary principles like Paul said it would be, right? But, but miracle signs and wonders becomes a way of life because a group of parents had the courage and the boldness to walk across a river overflowing. Right, So the Lord's ministering this to us in October, building this incredible storyline. And as I've been preparing for today, I've been remembering the storyline going, he is the most beautiful writer of all time. Like, don't ever, don't ever run from the struggles, the hard times, the seasons that seem like, Lord, this is the worst season of my life. Don't try to escape. When you have the right perspective, every single thing in your life is working for you. I promise you. The hardest seasons of your life, you feel him the closest and you'll always look back and say crazy things like if I never went through that, we would never be where we are today. 
right? We never would have made our way to Keller if we didn't go through the hardest season ever as a church. If we were unwilling to deal with false narratives and people twisting words and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I go places till today and people have this idea of, of lies about who we are as a church and things about me. And I just have to say, God bless you. And then I remember, but remember how God broke out at Bethany. It was all worth it. I don't care what anybody says. It was all worth it, right? So that all is happening. The Lord speaking to us in October. In November, I get invited. And I know I've shared some of this with you, but I wanna, I wanna bring you into detail today. You remember that moment when the disciples are like, finally, he's talking plainly to us and not speaking to us in parables anymore. I wanna talk plainly to you today. I feel like writing is on the wall. That transition is about to take place but I need to say it with my mouth and just let me share my story, okay? Don't come to conclusions till I'm done with my story. Thank you. So November, I, uh, I get invited randomly through this random connection to be on this documentary on the fear of the Lord. And I've got to fly to Nashville and the, and the recording is in this city called Franklin. And, uh, and they, the guy sent me this, this trailer and it's got like Heidi Baker and Bill Johnson on it and people that like people know and then me. And I'm like, why am I on this? Uh, I should technically should not be on this documentary. And, and the guy had no idea who I, who I was. Someone called him and said, hey, you should have this guy in the documentary. So he calls me and he says, what do you think about the fear of the Lord? And I'm like, uh. So I share with him and he's like, awesome, fly to Tennessee. We want to talk about it on a camera. So I, I'm like, okay. So I go to Nashville literally thinking nothing of it. And when I land in Nashville, I have the strangest feeling in the world. Like I just landed somewhere where we're supposed to build a home. So I call Emily and I'm like, babe, I got a weird feeling. And her response on the phone, you're freaking me out. You need to come home now. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, but I couldn't get away from that crazy feeling I had. So on the flight there, I keep getting this picture in my mind. And I, I know I shared this on the first, but I keep getting this overwhelming constant picture of John Wimber's face and Martin Luther banging thesis on the doors. Now I didn't realize while I'm flying there, it's the 505th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. I had no idea, right? So I call my dad and I'm like, and this is what I do when I'm confused. I call Bubba. So I called Bubba and Cedo, as you know him. Uh, and I said, I... I had the strangest feeling when I got here and I keep, what do you know about John Wimber? And before he can, before I can continue, he goes, what is the Lord telling you to start a work in Tennessee? And I'm like, where did you get that from? And my mom is like, yeah, where did you get that from? From the other side of the phone. And he goes, well, son, what, what do you, what do you think? This is how he talks. This is what, this is what the Lord's called us to do. Like you should know better, you know? And, uh, and then he proceeds to tell me, I'm like, well, where does John Wimber come into all this? Now I had remembered that when we started August 25th, 2019, when we launched Risen Nation at the Sandman Hotel in Frisco, um, I remember Tom, how many of you know Tom Rotolo? Power, he used to power and loves. Tom Rotolo is there, he comes up to me and he gives me this word and he's like, when you were preaching, I saw all these hands being laid on you and all the hands that had been laid on them and it led to John Wimber's face. And I remember being like, I'm pretty sure that guy was a church planner. Nah, don't wanna do that, but thanks Tom. You know, and I kind of put that word on the shelf and I, sh and I probably, you know, but listen, I, 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 uh, I'm kind of stubborn and you can ask my family, 
Michelle especially knows that I am very stubborn. Um, but when we started and all of this happened, you guys know the story well of my older brother, three years older, had just been established at Resurrection Life as the senior pastor. I mean, pastors did a whole video for him and all this stuff. And then we're talking like, what, a month later, I come home from a trip and they're like, God spoke to us, you're starting a church. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and my dad said, if, if we don't, we'll stop and hinder what God wants to do. And my older brother who worked for a church as a senior pastor came and volunteered as our associate, right? So you gotta, you gotta start putting this story together of Corey Russell comes and tells him that he will be the one that puts the garments on the people and Aaron's three years older than Moses was. And, and, and so God is beginning to write this thing that I'm going, you, never, you, could have, you couldn't have mustered this up if you tried, right? So after all of, after all of this, I, I asked my dad, well, what about John Wimber? Where does he come in? to all of this. I know that Tom gave me that word about John Wimber that I kind of rejected because I really didn't, I didn't want to, I mean, I love having a church now. Okay, don't twist my words. I'm so happy that we have a church now. It's absolutely changed my life. Pastoring, you guys have like, I feel bad for you because you've formed me into a father and you had to deal with like that firstborn bad parenting so we could do it better with the second. So thank you. Thank you for being patient. Some parents know what I'm talking about. We're like, sorry, William. I'm so sorry. Uh, you didn't get the best version of me. Uh, sorry, stories are just running through my mind. We're like, we're about to have four and one. Everyone's like, when is the biggest shock? One. Because you realize you can't do anything anymore. Like, remember when you used to go to a movie, just decide, hey, you want to go see a movie? Yeah, let's do it. You don't get to do stuff your life no longer is yours, right? And you should have kids. Everybody should have kids. It's the best in the world. But William cried all night for like five months straight. And I'm like, there's something wrong with this child. And then we just kept having him. And maybe we'll keep having more. We just don't know. Anyway, I want to be like Abraham. I really do. So um, I just need like 14 of Josie. If Josie can, just 14 of you. Uh, anyway, so... I asked my dad, what, what about John Wimber? He said, oh, John Wimber, he gave me a word a long time ago that I'll be crucified in my time. And those that crucify me, will, I'll judge them based on how they watch you die. That's what he told my dad. Thanks, John, you know? He said, but if you overcome, I'll give you a generation after you that receives what you have to say. And he said, we're living in that word, right? Rejected, I grew up, we would, we would, people would pick it outside of our church famous ministers on television saying my dad's mind is taken by devils because he preaches the kingdom of God is now. And we're not sinners, but we're sons, right? Like this isn't a new revelation. There's been leaders and apostles that have led the way in the spirit for a generation to go, what are you talking about? I'm not a sinner. Where'd you get that nonsense from? Like my kids won't, that, they won't comprehend that. They're gonna know that, no, 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 you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Then the more you believe that, the more you're gonna walk like it, right? But being a sinner, I'm just a sinner, it's an easy way out. We've, we've learned it, right? You can have an excuse now for your sin, but when you are a son of God, you have to live like one. Be worthy of the calling that he has set before you. So he's sharing this with me and I'm like, no way. God, what are you saying? What are you trying to say? So I go and I have lunch with this pastor in Nashville, his name's Scott McLeod. 
And, uh, and we sit down and he goes, I got a word for you and for Emily. And he said, I just keep seeing Martin Luther banging on the door, his theses and, and thesis, theses, either or. And, and he's like, and I feel like the Lord is, is saying over you that like there's gonna be reformation and resonation in Dallas is the prototype. It's the prototype, it's not a stereotype. It's the one that God has called to be flexible to create a model for the rest. And he starts prophesying over me. And he said, uh, he said, but God's not, you're not walking up to the door with nails and a hammer. You're walking up to the door with a key. And God is gonna give you entrance and resonation entrance into his house. And so all of a sudden, the John Wimber thing and the Martin Luther thing just are making sense. So I come home genuinely confused out of my mind, right? And at the time, okay, Lord, you want us to plant churches? None of it makes sense because as a church, we're hitting our stride. As a church, we're starting a school and have students from all over the world online, students in person that... I did a video and put it out that we're starting a school. And I've preached there like three times since we started the school. And I'm realizing, oh, it's actually not about me. And, and when he said back, you know, uh, whenever it was, two years ago, gosh, it's only been a year. Last year when he's like telling me school of habitation, I go on Monday morning and I start writing down, Lord, do you want me to start a school? He said, no, I'm starting a school and you can lead it or I'll find somebody else. That's exactly what he said to me, I wrote it down. I called our leaders. I said, guys, you'll never believe it. God's starting a school and he's gonna use our building. And so the first day of school, I said, hey, just so you know, we're not building a school around me. We for sure haven't built a church around me. I don't know if you noticed, but I don't preach that much. And it's not because I don't like it, it's because we refuse to build something that is man-centered and not God-centered. Right? We don't want we don't we don't want to tell you when who's preaching and who's not. We want to honor guests, of course, that come in, but but we want people to come because God is here, not because their favorite YouTube sensation showed up. It's amazing to me. Like we want a crowd, we gotta bring somebody in because Jesus is not enough. Anyway, I don't want to go into that. So I come home and I get a text from a man named Gary York. Anyone know Gary York? Gary and Gail are watching right now. Gary's super nervous at this very moment in time. So uh, pray for him because I'm about to announce some stuff. But I get a text from Gary York and he reminded me. So about a year ago, Gail and is, is in her kitchen and she's washing dishes. And I've known Gary and Gail for a very long time. Uh, I think it's been like five years maybe that I've been going up there and doing these events with them that they hold in tents called GGG every July. And they've got this, this amazing community out there. And so um, I've been going back and forth there and there's always, we've always felt something in that area, right? Always felt something like God had something stirring in that area, but we didn't know exactly what it was. So a year ago, uh, our team is on stage doing who is this man whose love overflows like a river and Gail's in her kitchen washing dishes and God hits her. And Gary said, I came into the kitchen. My wife is on the floor crying and I, your live stream is on and I don't know what's happening. And Gail comes out of this encounter and she's like, we need resonation 
to be here. Like we need God to do something in this area that is so desperately in need of a move of God. And so we started this conversation of what would it be like to have a, a satellite location and, uh, and really kind of stayed on that conversation literally up until last month. So in November, I get a text from Gary. He has this crazy experience. Now they live in Waterman, Illinois. Uh, it's not exactly populated. There's one sheriff in town that knows Gary. So Gary gets away with whatever he wants. And uh, Gary blows stuff up on his 10 acres. And the one sheriff in town's like, Gary, come on, man. You can't, you're, you're gonna hurt people. Um, Waterman is literally in the cornfields. Like, literally, like his house is in cornfields. And so there's not like, you know, a whole lot going on in Waterman, but I love how the Lord finds these places that you least expect it, you know, to start breaking out. And so, um, so he, he has a business based out of that area and he has an interview with this lady and they're talking and, and somehow they got on the conversation. Gary said, yeah, I just came back from Dallas. I'm really connected with this church and his pastor there. And she was like, what's the name of the church? And he said, Risen Nation. And she almost fell on the floor. She said, you'll never believe it. I have followed Risen Nation and Resurrection Life for the past however many years. One of Dr. Williams' oldest, longest lasting members has been mentoring me for years and sitting in front of him in Waterman, Illinois is this lady that's been connected to this house for decades. And we have no idea who she is till today. And Gary said, I took it as a sign and I called you. Now this is all the same month. I'm having this encounter in Nashville in Franklin. And I'm getting all of this texting with Gary of like, I think it's time for us to seriously consider moving forward with having an expression of resignation in Chicago. So I'm like, okay, Lord, clearly you're doing something. So my wife and I and some of our team go back in December. You guys okay? So I'm gonna get through it, I promise. We go back in December just to like into Franklin, just to, to fleece the ground. And um, I said, Lord, I need like 48 confirmations. So when Jeremiah Johnson the other day was like, you know, sometimes we need 48 confirmations. God's just saying, just do it. All of our leaders look at me like I'm trying You bunch of babies need a bunch of, no, that was Jeremiah. We have giant nurseries in church today. I love him. I love him so much. I hope he's listening. I'm not mocking you. I'm really impressed by the way you talk. So, uh, so December, I said, Lord, I need, I need confirmations from you, like crazy ones. And I don't have time to share the, insanity of these confirmations in December. But I will share one. My wife and I walk off in December. We walk off of the jet bridge, getting out of the plane. And I want, we want a coffee. So we go to this coffee shop and, and while I'm waiting, this guy walks right up to me. I mean, we're two minutes off the plane. This guy that looks like Lonnie Frisbee, he's got hair down to here and a beard, walks right up to me and he goes, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. And and he said, I'm so sorry. I totally mistaked you for somebody else. And I was like, that's awkward. That's weird. And, um, and then he goes, but wait, you pastor a church called Risen Nation in Dallas, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. Um, and he's like, we've been following you guys forever. And, and we're doing something very similar here. And uh, are, you, are you starting work here? That's what he said to me. 
I'm just standing there with my coffee, my pinky out, because I like doing that. Sometimes it, all these ligaments, both of them weird, so sometimes it stays there. I have to work it down. So, sorry, I need a lot of comic relief today because it's about to get heavy in here. Uh, so, he, so I said, where are you from? He said, I'm oh, from Franklin. I said, of course you're from Franklin. And at this point, I'm like agitated because God's making it so clear, but none of it makes sense because I'm like, Lord, but look at what you're doing in Dallas. We're three and a half years old. This is against every like church model ever. Stay here. Like I've had leaders tell me, don't travel for five years and be the only one preaches, be the only one that preaches every Sunday for the first year. God, that sounds like prison, not because of you, but because we're in bondage to it's, if I don't build it, that it's gonna suffer. But the scriptures I read says that unless he build the house, we labor in vain. My little boy, our, our five-year-old walks in here today and he just hears this language. He can't read a house for him. He's working on it. But he said, mommy, you know why, uh, you know why this is Jesus's home? That's what he said to her today of all days. You know why this is Jesus's home? She said, why? He said, because Jesus built it. I'm like, oh God. He did, he did. So the, in December, uh, I'll tell you one more, one really crazy one. So we're in the mall and we just decide, like we wanna explore, we go to this mall near Nashville and, um, and we're, we wanna walk around or whatever. And it's like 4 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. So I'm walking into the mall and I just have this 49th fleece with God. And I said, Lord, if we're supposed to start like a church here, like a community, and I'm supposed to uproot and like, we're supposed to move everything, right? Um, I need you to, now don't freak, don't, just let me finish, okay? I said, I need someone to walk up to me that knows me, I, either I know them like a friend where they've seen something and I'll take it as a sign. This is what I said to the Lord, just to myself as we're all walking into this mall. And uh, now the chances of this are 0.02%. I know at the time I knew like one couple in Franklin. I knew no one in Nashville. So Emily's prego and she's hungry. So she wants to go to the food court. So we go to the food court, we sit down and we're having pretzels, just kind of dreaming about what God is saying. And all of a sudden I hear, Pastor William, is that you? And I said, oh my God. I think I almost, I, a cuss word almost came out, but I sucked it back in. I just, I have to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth and talk plainly to you because it scared me. And that shouldn't come out when I'm scared, I know, but that deep within me thing, I'm trying to change it, you know? And I didn't even look up. I'm like, my heart dropped. And it's Chip Payne's daughter, Maggie, who goes to school in Nashville. So I am like, you've got to be kidding me. Who, she used to go to church here. So this all happens, right? So we, January 1st, announced that we're just gonna start holding. We didn't, it was like the Lord said work, but he didn't tell us what that meant. 
He didn't tell us that we were supposed to move. He just said work. So, so I start, um, we start holding these monthly gatherings in Franklin and in Chicago. And I'll never forget the first gathering we had in Chicago. Was it in February? Wow. February, we have this first one in Chicago and like 75 people show up to Gary and Gail's house and they're out the door. And I remember looking to Harry and being like, uh-oh, we might've had a boo-boo because now we're stuck. Like, and I rarely seen hunger like I'm experiencing in Chicago. And it's, and it's predominantly like older people that are like, we want God. And, and they're, I, I mean, it's, it's wild, right? So then we go to Franklin, we have a gathering. I didn't know anybody knew us there, but the same thing happened and the Lord broke out. And so we had done two and everybody's asking me, are you starting a church there? People are talking, people like to gossip. They like to figure out what God's doing on their own. Just, just relax, you know? Um, so I have this dream and in the dream, I, I'm in this small house with my kids and I'm holding Ellie and William. And I remember Emily and Benjamin, she was like, she must've been changing his diaper. She changes 38 of them a day and changing his diaper in the bathroom or something. And, and a, like a tornado is coming at the house. And I'm holding my kids and I'm going, don't worry, God is our refuge. And all of a sudden the tornado hits us and it picks the house up and it starts twirling the house. And I'll never forget like looking out of the window of this little house and it looked like I was on a plane. And I just kept saying over and over again to my kids, uh, don't worry, God is our refuge. And it softly puts us down in this tunnel, in this secret place. And it wedges us between like one side and the other side. And we just kind of safely come to a stop. And Emily comes out of the bathroom with Benji as if nothing happened. And we're all just happy. And so I, I woke up, honestly, my sister really helped me get this interpretation of the whirlwind is picking you and your family up and he's gonna wedge you between two places. Well, Franklin happens to be one hour and 15 minute flight from Texas and one hour and one minute flight from Chicago right in the middle. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, you're, you're clearly speaking to me. And uh, so Jeremiah Johnson shows up. Let's talk about Jeremiah for a second. And he calls me two days before. And he said, everywhere I go, I make sure I have the pastor's blessing um, of what I'm gonna speak on. He said, I hear two words, apostolic transition. And he said, and I'm warning you. That's what he said to me. The Lord sends me as a prophet. What I love about Jeremiah is he doesn't struggle with false humility. And we need more like that in the church who are very clear of who they are and who God has called him to. And you feel the authority when he comes into the room because he doesn't care about what people think. God raised up a whole generation like that, right? So he said, I'm telling you, the Lord sends me as a prophet to go to pastors to help them transition into what it means to be an apostle. And he said, you're in a transition. And then he said, but there's a warning. Every time transition comes, Jezebel will try to pop her ugly head up. So you warn your people, right? So I'm like, that's what you're gonna preach on? Um, wow. Uh, and so he didn't know anything. So he shows up, my brother and I sit down with him 
and tell him what's happening. And he writes this whole thing out at an Italian restaurant on like the piece of paper on the table. And it was everything we've already discussed. It was confirmation. One of the biggest things the Lord said to me was, your father will know how to do it, go to him. And he gave us blueprints. And, you know, it's always been kind of like this, you know, this house for him and a habitation for the Lord in Ezekiel 44, that wasn't birthed in me. I heard that at 10 years old in El Shaddai Church in California. My dad is going off about how let, let the influencers stay on the outer court. We're gonna give our lives to God in the chamber with him. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna give my life to that. And so um, Jeremiah calls me up at the end and we have this moment and like laid the carpet out. So surely I'm like, okay, Lord, I know I've got to have courage and I got to get up in front of our church and talk plainly. So um, as of July and August, we've told you about the habitation that we're having August 11th and 12th in Franklin. That specific weekend, just so you know, we aren't going to do because I think we already have like over 90 something people just from Dallas registered for that that apparently you're all gonna convoy over there. I'm very excited that you're coming. We're gonna need it, you know? Um, but because so many of our team is, is actually making our way there to do the habitation, that week, I believe we're gonna do like a Wednesday night. We'll give you more details as, as it unfolds, but a Wednesday night service as like our main service, we're just gonna go out to the presence of God. And then we're all gonna convoy to Franklin. And for those of you that are here, enjoy your families and, and have a Sabbath Sunday, amen? Um, but our plan before God, as he has made it very clear to us, and the writing is on the wall, is that my wife and I have, not through preference, but through obedience, are saying yes to the call of the Lord uprooting our family, moving us to Franklin. And as of now, my heart is that I will still be here twice a month and in Chicago twice a month. I don't think you guys, honestly, I don't think our congregation will really feel it that much if I'm being honest, because we've already kind of built this way. But our staff will, our family will, my family will feel it. Um, but it's easy nowadays with a flight, man. Paul had to walk everywhere, can you imagine? Um, but we will be establishing Pastor Costi and Pastor Erica as the pastors over this community and uh, I just want to, yeah, come on, stand up. Yes, yes. Um, so, and he's such a better pastor than me. Gosh, I told you guys how. There was one month we got like four, three email complaints about me all in like a week. And at the end of each of them, it said, but when Pastor Costi preached, we really enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't feel bad about that. I'm very, so that's terrible. No, I, I like it. You know why? Because it, it was all during the season where I'm like, Lord, is this what you're saying? So I'm getting emails going, this is what I'm saying. He's just better than you. Uh, but Jeremiah shows up and talks about the ministry calls to offices. And if people leave because I'm not here, they weren't here for the right reasons to begin with. 
and I don't care if we have to rearrange the chairs so that it, I don't, I don't care what we have to do, this is what God is saying. And when I gave my life to the Lord and said yes to Jesus, I didn't say yes as long as I never leave Dallas. Like I, I, God wants to free us from as long as Christianity. Yes, with stipulations. Yes, but don't make it hard on my family. No, the whole family has to sign up. The whole, my, all my kids have to sign up to be disciples with me. Not, they don't wait till they're older. They have to experience it now so that when they're older, see, this is what I, I watched my parents move three times and found a way to hold community together in every place. Till today, which is, I mean, for Florida, it's how many years? 25 years? No, no, I'm saying since we moved from Florida. 23 years and still, He's faithful to go back and forth. And so I, uh, it's not easy. My, one of the first visions I had was I was sitting at a table with my mom and my brother. I remember being in the plane and this is where I need him, Tanner. And uh, I'm asking the Lord, what are you saying? And, I hear the Lord speak to me, the anointing and, f- and the fullness of the anointing that I want to release through your brother is locked up in your ability to decrease. And so I, uh, I got this picture where I was sitting at a table and my mom was crying and she was saying, I feel like you're breaking me apart. And I was saying, mom, this is what God called us to. From the time we were little, we have to be faithful to the call. And uh, I think for too long, because it would be the easiest thing would be for me to stay here. That'd be the easiest thing. The easiest thing would be we keep building because it's not like we're dwindling. I, that was my biggest question is, Lord, why at the, like the height of we're starting to hit our stride? I feel like all of the struggles of yesterday are like, coming to this conclusion and we're starting to really find out the identity of what you've called us to. Why now? And he led me to Acts chapter 19 where Paul shows up to Asia Minor and finds 12 men and through 12 men, all of, all of Asia, here's the gospel in two years. 12 people bring the gospel to all of Asia in two years because Paul found 12 men. This is why like, live stream will only take us so far. Something about laying your hands on the sick. He said, lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Not just point your hands at a camera and build your thing. And I'm not against anybody that's doing that. A lot of these movements have impacted my life, but there's no movement without movement. And so in Acts 19, Paul shows up they reach all of Asia and Ephesus explodes in revival. Explodes. People are, and Ephesus at that time would have been like the Las Vegas Strip. People are burning stuff in the streets and, and getting saved. And at the height of all of it, Paul comes and he says, I have to go to Macedonia. And he establishes Timmy. Timmy. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. We're gonna start calling Costi Timmy. <laughs> and he established Timothy 
over the church of Ephesus. And he would write letters, how I long to be with you. And I think that's gonna be the hardest part is you don't realize what you have in this room. This isn't a knock to anybody that's invited me. I love you, but there is no worship in the world that I find like I find in this group. I go out of town and I come back and I'm like, I wanna give Jason a kiss, William Lentz, because of the way they make it sound in here, not on the lips, on the cheek, maybe. I like wanna just go and tackle our worship team and Cameron and, and Talon, they know what I mean when I'm like, it's so easy. I go somewhere else, I start singing a song. They're, they don't know what's going on. And, and then you come home and you find your family and you know what each other's thinking. There's, I mean, I've lost track of how many times I'm thinking about a song and Pastor Kaylee starts going into it. I'm like, this is incredible, so easy. But it would be easy for us to all stay, but how would we branch? And, I, and if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't actually see a lot of men who are the, I see men sending people and women sending people, but I don't see a lot that they themselves said at the biggest that they've been, let's go and do the small thing again. I don't see it. And I, and I believe God is restoring true apostolic ministry back to his house. And I'm not ashamed to say that because if people actually knew, see, I've watched my parents go through this. If people actually knew the price, that it's not, it's, it's not the house everybody sees, it's the foundation everybody forgets about. Apostles, all it means is first, they're the sent ones. They're the ambassadors that go ahead of the nation to build a nation, but generations later, they're usually forgotten about. They're the, the Davids that, that have this dream in their heart. I remember one thing my dad said to me is he said, this is what I've labored for. God has given you, he's giving you the ability to do what's always been in my heart. That's it, David, that's saying, here's I, all I was able to do is gather up the pieces and he passes it to the next generation and says, build it. And so I watched my older brother become the younger brother's associate with a group much smaller than this. And I've watched the Lord, if you can learn anything from his life, the humility to go, I'm doing what God is saying and now receiving a reward only three and a half years later, way beyond what was in that season. And if it wasn't for the fathers and the mothers, the pastor Marks and the pastor Janines that have walked with us, that have weathered storms, we wouldn't be standing here. Why? Because of the apostolic. It's lost in church. It's so lost. Today we've got famous pastors with stupid clothes on. with lights and influence, and they think they're doing something because they have 200,000 followers on Instagram. I pray God, burn it all up, burn it all up. Let me tell you what a true leader looks like, one who doesn't care if he's seen or not. A true, true, a true leader looks like a man named Joseph that, that 
labored his whole life. He finally gets to promise and his dad is giving blessings and he's not named among the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph was the most deserving son to be named among the 12 tribes because I believe at some, but Manasseh and Ephraim who are Joseph's sons are named. Joseph had to have had a conversation with Jacob that said, I don't need a tribe. I don't need a piece of land. I found God in prison. I found God when I was mocked, when I was rejected. I found God when my words were twisted. He's always been there. I don't need a plot of land, but if you can do it for my sons. And his name means double portion. And his double portion wasn't his ministry, his income and his influence. His double portion was he had children. And I believe that God is restoring back where our toddlers are actually gonna be more important than our Instagram followers. And we're actually gonna build something that our children can grow up in. So I saw in 1 Samuel 7, and we just had studied, we just had been studying 1 Samuel 7 that one of the biggest confirmations I got was I hear this man, Damon Thompson, yelling, God's building high places of devotion. That'll become habitations for the Lord. Well, the part that you didn't know is when I said Rama means hill, Tennessee is full of hills. Go to Rama so that from Rama habitations for the Lord can hit the earth. So as of July, August, we are launching Risen Nation Franklin weekly. We're gonna start on Sunday nights so that I can be here on Sunday mornings as often as I'm able. And we are launching Risen Nation Chicago every other week that in the new year, the plan is to go to every week. I will be on the road a lot and my wife will be alone most, well, yeah, with four children and this is the cost. And so our request is that you pray for us, that you wouldn't just pick up and leave because the preacher you like to hear isn't here. I would pray that our roots have gone deeper than that. My ask is, is that you would surround these two and you would turn him into the father that God's called him to be. So, so I saw in 1 Samuel 7, it said, Samuel went, and I'm not claiming to be Samuel, hear my heart. Someone's gonna make a YouTube video. Samuel went, it says in chapter seven, it says, all the days of his life, he judged Israel and he went on a circuit between Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he went on this circuit between three cities. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going on a circuit between three cities, but he always returned home where his first altar was. And this is the first altar. And I'm, I might be moving, but I'm not leaving. Again, I feel like you guys are gonna see me just as much as you see me now. This group here isn't gonna see me as much as they see me now. And I believe in this time, leaders are gonna begin to come to the surface. And my ask would be is, is that you don't go around and take this holy thing and turn it into idle conversations. I know that my words will be twisted, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody is gonna be offended like, about, I don't know what you could be offended about. This is probably the most biblical thing we've ever done as a church, but. 
someone will find something to be offended. He said that he's never leaving us. So I never actually said that. Just wanna make sure that's really clear. And again, I'm not leaving you. Moving is different than leaving. So, um, but don't, don't start thinking who's going with him. Don't, don't start trying to figure out which leader is doing this and what, which leader is doing this. I'm gonna be talking to our school. I feel like we've got an amazing plan for SOH on Tuesday. So you get your butts there, students, Tuesday. Um, but I just feel like this call to building houses of habitation, habitation, <laughs> houses of habitation, it's gonna fill the whole earth. It, it's not just Franklin and Chicago. It's God is, and it's not risen nations. God is, God is doing a work that this world needs called dwelling places for God. I had a conversation. My wife and I are gonna be going to London in October and ministering out there and this family's been watching us for a long time now. And this 14-year-old kid comes, comes running into the room and he says, I want Gnosko with God. And I'm thinking of myself like, man, that's, that's why we have to go. You know what my dream is? Risen nation, Jerusalem. That's my dream. We already said we would establish uh, Harry and Michelle over that one because Harry likes baklava. So my mom's like, don't, don't, that's not a funny. That's exactly what she's thinking. That's not a funny joke. Um, can I have the worship team come? So that word apostle is not just talking about one man, not the guy with the big hat on the, the gold seat on stage like they used to be in the 90s. Those were not apostles. Those were people into themselves. God bless them. But that word in Greek, it, it means sent one or messenger. But what's amazing is, is that in the early days of the early Greek fathers in nations, they would when they would be sent by kings to go into new ground and break new territory, they would send an apostle, but the apostle wasn't one man, but it was a whole fleet of ships. It was a whole group of people that was called an apostle. And you may not be moving, but I need you to recognize you are a part of a fleet that is not just, you're not church attenders. This church will never be people. And you know what we will sacrifice? And maybe we won't, but what we're willing to sacrifice is we're willing to sacrifice numbers and money. So we have, for the sake of our kids, our goal is not seating capacity, but like Jeremiah said, sending capacity, right? So it's, it's an apostolic fleet that moves. And you being here on Sundays and being connected and becoming leaders and surrounding your pastors and being a part, I'm still gonna remain in an oversight role and in an apostolic role, but you being present is more apostolic in this more than you could ever understand. The New Testament church, Paul would send them letters urging them, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. He would urge them to say, be of one mind and one heart that don't, don't just become a local church gathering, but continue to be people that learn what it means to be priests that all come to pour oil on the feet of the lamb. And so in order for us to do this, you know, I don't know if I've ever publicly gotten up and said, we have a specific number need besides our air conditioning. And then, what? 
Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, we messed that one up good. But anyway, uh, and then the sign that uh, I didn't hear the Lord on, and then we wasted eight grand and thankful that you guys all forgave me. So, uh, but at first I was like, man, I don't want to put any ask or pressure on the Dallas church to help us plant other places. Like these places should be able to support themselves. And, um, and I thought, no, I'm not taking you away from that gift and that opportunity of being the first fruits. I'm not removing you from being a part of this story that says this little community went from one to three to seven because this potent first crazy one, this first altar burned so bright that everyone experienced their fire. And, and the ask is not really that large in the grand scheme, but in order for us to actually do this, and I want you to know, like I'm willing to lay everything down for this. Emily and I have talked about it. I, I don't want any pressure on this house. I'm gonna be obedient to God. But we need $45,000 is what we've calculated to be able to go, get through the habitation to be able to properly plant in Franklin and properly plant, plant in Chicago. And again, that, that ask, if, I don't know if anyone's ever been to a fundraiser, is not a lot of money. And I feel like in this room, I know it's crazy, but I think in this room, we could do it. I think with the people online, we can do it. And we can always have this in our testimony is I was a seed in those kids' lives that I was a seed in that nation, I was a seed in that nation. I don't care if it's $1, but my ask is that as a community, if this house has impacted your life in any way, that you would go, I'm stepping in with them. I'm not just saying, you know, all right, William and Emily, best of luck. Come with us. Come, and I'm not saying physically. I actually would love for you to stay strong here and not have 400 people move. That would, that's my heart. And I'm not going to tell anybody anything. Don't come to me and try to be like, what do you think I should do? I don't know what you should do. Talk to the Lord, okay? But, but what I am asking is that every single one of us take of that which has impacted us. And in Exodus 25, the Lord comes to the children of Israel and he says, I want you to build me a house. Build me a tabernacle and go to anybody that has a willing heart and ask them to sow into my house. And it's right after they sowed in that God gave Moses the pattern. People usually go, hey, I need the clear vision, the pattern, so I can give to it. Really what we're saying is, is we need to understand it so we can control it because I need to know where my money's going. Am I gonna get a return on my investment? It's when did it become about that in the kingdom? It's not about your taxes. It's never been about that. It's better to keep it if it's about that. But he says, no, no, give me an offering as this community always has. And if you give me the offering, I'll give you a pattern. It doesn't start with the pattern. It starts with the offering and then the pattern. And so we would be doing, I feel a disservice to you by not inviting you to stand with us and inviting you to be a part of the planning of this on risennation.org. Can you guys put it here? It's forward slash give or on the church center app. Is that thing ready? There's a drop down called Houses of Habitation. And if you're watching online, if you're in the room, I would ask you to sow into it. Um, I, don't, I don't really want, I know we have buckets, but I don't want to pass them. 
Can you put it in the red boxes as you leave? Amen? Okay. Can you come here, babe? Can I have that mic? You want to talk? Nope. You guys stand. We're going to... I'm going to read something that the Lord spoke to me to write as a, as a charge to you. Now, listen, when you read, when you hear this, it, it sounds like I'm never returning. Don't hear it that way. There is something though that I want to put into the environment spiritually. And I need us, I need you to read it with, this is what our kids, I believe will abide by the pattern that God's given us to follow. Okay, um, let me prepare myself. Uh, and then we're gonna worship for a second and we're gonna sing, I surrender. And we wanna know you. We want the whole world to know you. And then we're gonna establish my brother and Erica. I'm gonna make them sit on stage. So don't leave, okay? We're just gonna go a little bit longer, but this is the most single-handedly, the most important service that we've had. Okay, you ready? I'm only gonna be able to hold your hand until I have to scroll. Risen Nation, Dallas. It's weird, we're actually gonna have to use Dallas now. Our forever first altar, the firstborn and the first fruits. We lay you today before the Lord and remind you that you belong to him and not to us. He's always been your exceedingly great reward. For almost a decade now, sorry babe, we've watched the Lord form us and lead us like a father taking his son by the hand, showing us the way. It was here that he met me in December of 2017. And he interrupted my full time ministry schedule to tell me he wanted a home. It was here we caught a revelation of union that eclipsed all other desires. It was in this community that I personally saw the only way to true success in the kingdom is marrying him when no one's watching. Resonation Dallas, you are the prototype. We've weathered a lot of storms together, experienced a lot of victories. But I can truly say we've given all of our hearts to give God a dwelling place for his presence. Thank you for being patient with me as I've learned how to be a father, being faithful through all the transition. I've never met a group of people like you leading this family and continuing to lead this family is and will forever be my highest honor. And now because of his grace, we have found rest as a community. We are sitting in his promise, watching our children grow up in his presence. He's giving us a home where we can tend to him daily. He's given us an amazing staff who tends to his temple 
He's given us an incredible church family that's unified. Leaders unlike any I have found in the world and a sound of worship that I used to dream of one day hearing. And now we've come to a moment where the foundation is in place and everywhere I turn, I see fulfillment that Emily and I have waited and labored for, for a long time. But I hear that still small voice again saying, do you trust me? Put it all on the altar, my son. And like the moment where God asked Abraham for his promise, firstborn son Isaac, but when the end seems like it's knocking at the door, truly new life has come. The Lord spoke to me this morning. Oh God, help me get through this. The Lord spoke to me this morning about the new life that my wife is about to give June in June, our fourth Bethany. When we named her Bethany, I didn't know any of this. She will have the baby here before we move. And the Lord said to me this morning out of nowhere, Bethany is a sign to you that Bethany, Resonation Dallas, that Bethany is ready and will be fully born. This isn't an end, but a glorious beginning. And as we take this step of faith, I wanna charge you that first and foremost, you keep the lamb at the center of it all. And you build only that which is attractive to him. We charge you to never bend to religion and the boundaries it tells you you have to follow. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that you're a sinner waiting to die to go to heaven. Always remember that you are a son, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ according to Romans 8, 17. Remember that knowing him is eternal life. John 17, 3. We charge you not to give in to the culture of the day and become politically correct, but make it your aim to be biblically correct only. Do not build that which is seeker friendly, but remember our vow to God that we will build them a house and be like the sons of Zadok in Ezekiel 44, who gave their lives to live in the chamber with God as ministers to him. Remember, there's no house without a family in it. Make it your highest priority to create an environment that is conducive for the raising of the next generation of kings and queens. Our children are more important than we are, and may our life mission be to see them go further than we could ever dream carry with honor the call of being the first altar, the first fruits to the Lord. Remain as a signpost to the nations and a model to what it looks like for a community of priests to bring oil to his feet daily and be committed to intercession as a house of prayer. May we never forget what began on June 12th. And finally, help me Lord. Uh, and finally, above all else, Remember Christ, oh Jesus, our precious savior. Think often of the holes in his hands. 
and the scar on his side. Think often of the thorns that were pressed into his head, the rejection and the suffering he endured because you were the joy that was set before him. His overwhelming desire was and is to be with you and for you to behold him. He plundered death, hell, and the grave, raising up on the third day as our victorious king, not so we could simply have a church, but rather belong to him forever. So when our generation is long gone and our children are carrying it on, may they still be saying, as our fathers and mothers said, so we say, this is a house for you. Jesus, you will forever be enough. So come on, let's lift our hands. Lord, we make a covenant to you today that we will not fold, that we will not bend, but we will stay true to what you've called this community to, to what you've anointed us for. We lay it all on the altar today, God. This was never my church to begin with. It's always been yours. Lord, keep them strong. May they remain faithful. I prophesy that this church, this local community in Dallas will explode when I leave. When I move, I pray that it quadruple in size, in kingdom influence. God, I thank you that you give Pastor Costi and Erica, every dream in their hearts. In Jesus' name, I thank you that they're going to experience discipleship in measures and in ways like I never could have brought them. We honor the office on Pastor Costi's life. We honor you, Jesus. May heaven record this moment forever. The day that destiny begun and Bethany began to be born. Lord, we will fulfill your desire. And we say yes, God, to going after Jerusalem, the church you're still weeping over. It's our privilege, Jesus, to follow you. It's our joy to just be close to you. We recognize the cost, but your presence is better. pastors this seated uh, the reason I had them sit is because there's something to having a present seated father and mother you know you can say all you want the YouTube preacher is your father but no does he know your children does he know your family this is a father and this is a mother and I want you to honor them as you have honored me and I want you to honor their office as pastors, and teachers, and leaders. Cause to hear the Lord saying, your reward is great. And those years, when you were at CVS <laughs> spraying stuff, thinking, what am I doing with my life? God was preparing you. He's preparing Erica. So Lord, we come before you 
It's my joy, God, to take what you've given us, Emily and I, and we give it to them. I pray, God, that the anointing rests upon them in measures I could only dream of. I thank you for leaders surrounding them. I thank you, God, that this will be the prototype for the nations. The model father, the model mother. Raise up their kids, God, in this house. We honor them today as the pastors of Risen Nation Dallas. And with joy, gladness, I give up my seed. You were always meant to be here. We will lift your guys' arms. We will always come back to the first altar. But we charge you to keep it burning. Keep the flame high. Never build for people, build for him. We bless you, Lord. We bless them. We bless them. I thank you for provision, God, like they've never known in Jesus' name. I thank you for books coming out of them. I thank you for Erica, God, picking up pens and writing things that'll make her weep. May this lobby be full, God, of wisdom, of writings from these two. So, Lord, we establish them as the seated leaders in this house. From this moment forward, may the place begin to explode with your power, God. In Jesus' name. You can talk for Out of all the things that I've ever done, this is the hardest thing. In all the years we have served the Lord, this is by far our most difficult. They chased me in India with sticks and hooks, and I had to run for my life. They shot at me in Nicaragua. William and I escaped out of Ukraine in the middle of the night when the Russians invaded the first time. But tonight, I remember what my mom must have felt like when I told her that the Lord spoke to me, that I am to move, and she started to cry. This is the first time, we've always been a very close family, but this is the first time we're going to be in two different cities, or however many. But I remember the evening that William came to me sitting in the backyard and he said, 
things are at their best and why do I feel this emptiness? And I knew then, and I was hoping I was wrong. And I knew that feeling well and I said, you have to go speak to God. You have to go alone and let God speak to you. And I had a feeling then that my boy is going to move. And I didn't know how to tell his mom. She's done nothing but cry since. And I don't know how we're going to be able to be between two. But I promise Costi that we're going to stand here by him. And we're going to serve as God enables us. We will travel and be with William and Emily. For any of you that have children, you understand it's tough when the time comes when they grow up and they move. And if you recall, the first commandment God gave man after he created him, God blessed, blessed them and does anyone remember what the first word was? Be fruitful. The first order God gave man after he created him was to be fruitful and multiply. When we're at the height of our church in Orlando, the Lord spoke to us to establish a work in California. When the work was at its height in California, the Lord told us to move to Dallas. But I remember distinctly, he said, this one will be different. And I didn't know what it meant. Years later, when the Lord brought about resignation, the Lord spoke to me and said, this will be a risen nation, a nation. There'll be many places and cities and there'll be nations, it'll be a nation of people. And what births here today is for the sake of the orphans. What caused God to move after all the centuries of slavery in Egypt? What was it that God moved on after 430 years of slavery? Why did God wait? 430 years to deliver his people out of Egypt and out of bondage. The word of the Lord came to Moses and God said to Moses, the cry of my people has reached my ears. What always draws the heart of God is the cry of his people. And today's world, the people of God's cry is reaching his ears and for that reason there's an acceleration it took us 12 years to move the first time he's doing it in three there's an acceleration because there's a cry the world is in desperate need for the presence of God and the conditions of this world have put this call into a mode of acceleration and it's not going to just be Franklin. And it's not going to just be Chicago. 
It's going to go to New York. It's going to go to Los Angeles. It's going to go to Africa. And it's interesting that this is happening today. We birthed work in Africa many years ago. And it's become a multitude of churches. I leave tomorrow to go be with those churches. And our prayer is for these. See, we understand the cost when you're pregnant and you're moving because she was in the same position. This wife of mine is a, a quiet giant in the kingdom. She may be short in this world. God knew I needed someone shorter. Be kind of weird if she was six foot. But she's a giant in the kingdom. She's a solid rock. And she said, how are we going to do this? I can't live without either one. How are we going to do this with the grandchildren? They're all love Teta. That's grandmother. They run past me and they go to her every time. And I said, this apostolic call we've carried is going to the next generation. And it's glorious and the most difficult. For me be running away from people in India or dodging bullets in Nicaragua or doing whatever we've had to go through the years, nothing compares then. How do you live between two sons that are 10 hours drive apart? And she was crying this morning and I leaned down to her and I said, I promise we'll just go back and forth a lot. But we're here. We believe God's going to do a mighty work here. When God said this will be different, I didn't realize he was speaking about you. The group we have here as Resurrection Life are pioneers. But they see the work. They understand the call. If every, any of you remember when you were first married, if you have not had a child in three years, you wonder what's going on in the marriage. When I see my daughter-in-law Erica, like I just did this morning, I ask her, are you pregnant yet? Not yet. They have two. Maybe now that this is happening, she'll get a third. Say yes. Because that's what marriage is. It's be fruitful. There's got to be fruits on your tree. You know the tree by its fruits. And we're overwhelmed by the fruits of God in our life. And we can be more proud of our children and who they are in God. 
And when my son left to go on that trip to get a suntan listening to God on the beach and the sound of many waters, I thought to myself, how stupid am I? I was actually, when I went to hear the Lord, a dear friend, one of our elders had a single engine airplane and he flew me to North Carolina, dropped me off in a cabin by myself for seven nights with nothing but bears. And I had a, a 57 Magnum that I've never used before. And I was shooting at things just to let things know that I'm there. And seven days waiting on the Lord. And my son went to the beach and I thought that sounds a lot more better. But I knew God was going to speak to him. And I couldn't tell him. He had to tell him. But this is what we do. And the day will come when their children will have to come to them and say, we have to go to do what God's called us to do. And they're not going to want to see them leave. And it's going to tear your heart. And you think we'll figure it out, we'll figure a way to go back and forth, we just have to do it. But you see, we're called to the kingdom's advancement. You are called to the kingdom's advancement. This is a body thing, this is not an individual thing. And whoever calculated 45,000 for this transition is an idiot. Sorry, Michelle. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. This is going to be a lot more than 45,000. It costs us a lot more than that to do one. You're doing two. Two. We've never done two at once. They're doing two. It's double. But let me just tell you this and then I'll pray. When you join in the apostolic and you get in the fleet, And in the, in the spirit, you pack your bag. And in your commitment, you say, I'm in. And you begin to back the advancement of the kingdom. When you advance the kingdom, your life will advance. Your family will advance. The reason God has blessed us with our children and their children is because the blessing comes from advancing the kingdom. When you seek the kingdom first, everything will be added to you. So if you become individualistically thinking and speaking and living, and you isolate, you become alone. And loners die before their time. But if you become part of a mission, an apostolic advancement, reaching out to colonies, expanding the kingdom of God, answering the cry of the children of God that have a homeless, fatherless, aimless, a generation that is crying out because there's no answer in schools. There's no answer in government. There's no answer in most families. So God sends out his mission to reach out to the cries of his people there's people there that need Jesus. 
There's families that are crying out to Jesus. That's why they were saying to him, we need this here. We can't hog it. And for that reason, when you step up and you participate in advancing the kingdom of God, your life will advance. Your home will advance. Your family will advance. You'll advance in every area of life because you're advancing in the kingdom of God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, stretch your hands. When he came out, he had large shoulders to carry strength. He gave my son shoulders to hold up weight. And I saw how he was so willing to come and get behind his younger brother. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, cause what we've carried for years as a household and fall upon this whole house. Come on, church, lift your hands. The vision, the burden, the call, the anointing upon this house, let it reach every house. That's what's taking place in this family. Be within every family. Signs and wonders shall follow them. And you'll cause them to increase on the right, on the left, before them, behind them, surround them, protect them, and use them for your glory. That their sons and daughters will cry out your name. Father, we declare in Jesus' name. Can you face me, son? Come, sweetie. I want you here. I want him here. Honey, come stand right next in front of right here. Can you stretch your hands towards them? Get behind your brother's son. Can you lift your hands to heaven? You knew the sacrifice. Father, we first pray for Emily. That as they give birth to Bethany, you'll cause a birthing within her that will reach the nations. And this gentle angel will become mighty, carry authority she never thought she had. They will use her to mother many. She will give birth an identification to many that have been lost. And she'll name them that have had no name and give an inheritance to them that have none. 
and her children's children's children shall see the glory of God. And this my son that told me he remembered when he was four years old of where he came from. And the wisdom you've placed in him from his young years. And the acceleration of insight and knowledge you've placed in him. The ancient of days in a man of young years. The wisdom of the sage in a 30-year-old king. The heart of a David. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. That he will run faster than he's ever been running. He'll accomplish more in a short season he's ever been able to accomplish. That he'll use him with might. Dioning upon the whole household, generations before me shall rest upon him and his children. And you'll cause him to increase. Accomplish what I've never been able to accomplish. Allow my eyes to see it. Now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you'll undo them with power. Come on, church. You'll undo them with strength. That you'll increase your anointing. You'll increase your knowledge. You will increase your wisdom. You will increase your presence. You'll cause a sound to come out of him that will open the heavens and shut down hell. You'll surround them. Keep them. Keep them strong. Keep them healthy. Go ahead of him. Make his crooked ways straight. His hills and valleys plain. We declare in Jesus' name, this is the beginning of the invasion of the nations. We declare the invasion of nations, God. For these that have had none, for these that have been without, You'll give them the heart for your children, a heart for the lost, a heart for the wounded, a heart for the empty, a heart for the bound. You said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To open them that are blind. To set free them that are in prison. To declare the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of God's freedom. The year of God's jubilee. To declare God's grace and God's mercy. 
that the price has been paid in full and we have been set free. And let resignation be a nation of people that are kingdom citizens and cause them to spread like wildfire, I pray, overtaking every nation and every government that the noises of evil that are in this world will be overshadowed and overtaken by the light of God. Come on, people of the Lord, and let them be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. For there is no other answer. There is no other solution but Jesus. We give you all the glory. Come on, church, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.